Cubans have taken to the streets of Havana to demand an end to the communist tyranny that has ruled the island for 60 years. So it comes as no surprise that our own communist tyranny here in America is trying to lie about the cause and the nature of those protests. But we will get to the truth. Then a prominent conservative, quote unquote conservative, decries, quote unquote, transphobia. Hunter Biden sells his childish doodles for half a million dollars, and the public health geniuses promise to make life very hard for the unvaccinated. I'm Michael Knowles, this is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Daniel, who says, why don't I see schools also handing out clean needles for safe drug use or breathalyzers for safe driving decisions for underage drinkers? That's a great question, Daniel. I mean, this is the kind of nonsense that we're hearing from the Chicago public school system when they, when they say that they're going to pass out free condoms to 10-year-olds to discourage unsafe sexual decisions. If you <laughs> subsidize a certain behavior, in this case, young sex, you are going to get more of that behavior. I know that this basic common sense is very irritating to leftists and to some libertarians, by the way, but it's just the case. If you subsidize something, you are very likely to get more of it. And uh, we, we wouldn't do it yet. We wouldn't do it with underage drinking and driving. We wouldn't do it with underage drug use. Why are we doing that with underage sex? That is a great question. You know, people make a lot of bad decisions. For instance, they will go into brick and mortar auto parts stores instead of going to rockauto.com when it's so much easier. Rockauto.com is going to save you time. It's going to save you money. It's going to save you dignity. All right, because you know, you go in, look, now there's a million makes and models of every kind of car. So I don't even blame the brick and mortar guys. They just, there's no space to keep in all those kind of body, auto body parts. So you go in, and they say, okay, what's your make? What's your model? What's your year? Is it the ZQ, PC7, whatever the heck, you know? And then you say, yeah, okay, it's this. And they go in the back. They don't have the part. They go on rockauto.com. They order it. They charge you twice as much. You wait two weeks. Just don't do it. Just don't. Why would you do that? Save yourself that degradation. Go to rockauto.com. Family business. They've got reliably low prices. They don't change the prices every three hours on some gimmick and you need a special coupon or whatever. You don't do that. Go to rockauto.com. It's so simple to navigate the website. Even I can do it. Same prices for pros and do-it-yourselfers. You head on over there, you will see all the parts available for your car or truck. And then most importantly, you write Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you rockauto.com. Thank me later. The riots, they're not really, I guess you would, uh, we're so used to hearing protests or riots rather be called protests and, and protests be called riots that it's, it's easy to con conflate the two. But what's going on in the streets of Havana right now is really much more of a protest. The Cuban citizens who are standing up against their communist dictatorship are not committing acts of terrorism. They're not burning down private property like we saw in the United States. Uh, to the applause of the, the mainstream liberal elite in the United States, what we are seeing is Cuban citizens finally, after 60 years of communist oppression, demanding an end to that tyranny. And what's happening in the United States is that our own ruling elite are covering up for the communist regime. So there was a Twitter trend yesterday about what's going on in Cuba. Here's what the Twitter, Twitter trend said. Protests take place across Cuba 
as the country faces shortages of COVID-19 vaccines and basic necessities. So what they're saying is <laughs> they're redefining the reality of what's going on. And they're saying these protests, they're actually about how they don't have enough vaccines for the Wu flu. That's what, it's not about freedom. It's not about the tyranny that's ruled the island for 60 years. It's not about the fact that the Castros are finally dead. So maybe there's a chance to reopen the country a little bit. No, no, no. It's about the chop fluey. That's what it's about. It's about the, the COVID. Right. Here's what they describe. Thousands of Cubans took to the streets in Havana and in other cities to demand vaccines and food on Sunday as the country faces a period of economic crisis brought on by the global COVID-19 pandemic. Not brought on by communism, <laughs> brought on by the cough that came from China. People criticized President Miguel Diaz-Canel, saying, down with the dictatorship, according to the Miami Herald. In a speech addressing the country, Diaz-Canel blamed the United States for the unrest, according to Reuters. This is an amazing fact sandwich, right? So at the top, you have a lie, which is that the protests are about COVID. Then at the bottom, you have the lie that's being repeated from the current Cuban dictator saying that the United States is responsible for the protest. And then in the, in the, sort of in the middle, you get a little bit almost of a fact, which is people saying down with the dictatorship. Sandwiched in between these lies. The protests that are going on right now are not about COVID. They are about freedom from communist tyranny. Twitter doesn't want to admit it, but even Jen Psaki over at the White House had to admit this is about freedom. On Cuba, you're talking today about how some of these protests are inspired by people exhausted with the government. Why is it that yesterday the State Department was saying that this was all happening uh, out of concern about rising COVID cases? Well, I, I would say first that the protests were just happening yesterday. We're still assessing uh, what is motivating and, of course, and driving all of the individuals who came to the streets. But we know that when I, we say exhaustion, the uh, the um, the uh, the manner by which the people of Cuba are governed that can cover a range of issues whether it's uh, economic suppression media suppression lack of uh, access to health and medical supplies including vaccines there are a range of reasons and and voices we're hearing from people on the ground who are protesting so when these protesters are yelling freedom and enough there are people within the administration who think they are saying freedom from rising COVID cases again I would say that. When people are out there in the streets protesting and complaining about the lack of access to uh, economic uh, prosperity, to the medical supplies they need, to a life they deserve to live, uh, that can take on a range of meetings. It's the fact sandwich again. She keeps doing this. For, so she's, she's admitting. She's like, yeah, right. No, I know. They're chanting liberty. And no, it's not. Ah, yeah, it's not. Well, yeah, okay, it's liberty economically, and it's liberty politically, and and yeah, and it's liberty from not having vaccines, and it's, no, it's not, it's not, it's not about COVID at all. No one cares about COVID, Jen. It's about communism. Oh my gosh. If there's any complaint about COVID or healthcare or food or anything, it derives from the communist tyranny. She then, she can't call out communism. She can't do it. She has to say that the issue is economic mismanagement. There's every indication that yesterday's protests were uh, spontaneous expressions of people who are exhausted with the Cuban government's economic mismanagement and repression. And those, these are protests inspired by the harsh reality of everyday life. It's not economic, it's, it's economic mismanagement in the sense that 
tightly managed economies, like in communist dictatorships, don't work out very well. Yeah, I guess that's economic. But they can't call it out. They can't have black and white. This reminds me of Obama when Obama went down and tried to normalize relations with Cuba without getting any concessions from the Castro regime. He said, look, you know, back, back in the Cold War, there was a big difference between capitalism, communism. But, but those, I'm, I'm only slightly paraphrasing, by the way, those, those distinctions don't really mean, mean so much anymore. Okay, distinction. No, they do. It does, actually. The difference between freedom and communism is still significant. Okay, but because the r- ruling elite doesn't really think that, because the ruling elite is a little bit pink, they're a little bit red on the inside, uh, they, they can't call out communism. This is not a new turn of events, by the way. This has always been true, or it's been true for the last 100 or 120 years in the United States. The intelligentsia, the, the ruling elite, have always been much more sympathetic to communism than most of the American people. Take a listen to what's going on in the streets of Havana right now. Let me know if you think this is about COVID or mismanagement. Libertad, libertad. By the way, so you're hearing libertad, libertad, right? Which my Spanish isn't great, but I don't think that's uh, that's the word for COVID. I don't think that's the word for vaccines. I think it's the word for freedom. And you're also seeing Our Lady. You're seeing you're seeing statues of the Blessed Virgin. You're seeing religious statues. This is, I think, maybe the clearest example of of the protests being an, an attack on communism. Communism is about economic collectivism and about atheism. Both of those things at once. In the United States now, because secular liberals have, have redefined so much of our political discourse, we only ever focus on the economic aspect. But there's a religious aspect to this as well. Bill Buckley talks about this in that terrific book, God and Man at Yale. It's not just about the economics, it's also about the liberty. This is why during the Cold War, the religious right was so opposed to the Soviet Union because of it's, it was a ruthless atheist regime. And obviously the libertarians and the West broadly were opposed to the economic aspects of this. This is about freedom. And by the way, they're waving the American flag there. They're wa- I remember, I, I traveled to Cuba. I visited Cuba a couple years ago when it was easier to go. And in Cuba, a symbol of protest against the regime is the American flag. They wear it on their jeans. They put American flag stickers on their bicycles. It's the sign of protest. Here now we denigrate and desecrate the American flag. In Cuba, they recognize that it is a symbol of something. Unfortunately, our own ruling elite in the United States don't seem to have as much (laughs) care for America as the Cuban people do. And of course, of course, if you really want to know what's causing the protests and you ask the mainstream media, you're going to get a simple answer. Five letters, one syllable. The problem is Trump. CBS News covering the Cuban protests right now makes an argument. I thought it was, it was too brazen for them. Donald Trump is no longer the president. He hasn't been president for some time now. And yet everything is still Trump's fault, including apparently the sorry state of the slave island of Cuba. On Cuban television, Diaz-Canel blamed the protest on the U.S. and its trade embargo for a severe impact on Cuba's recent economic downturn. The Trump administration passed many more regulations, many more sanctions against it, which basically has cut off all income coming into Cuba. Portia Siegelbaum is a CBS News producer based in Cuba. I think the Biden administration, he at least said at the beginning he was going to review this policy. 
and make changes, but nothing has happened. The recent policy, they say, the, re the Trump administration's new policy to impose sanctions on Cuba. That policy goes back 60 years. It's the Cuban Embargo Act. It has been in place since the Kennedy administration. It is true that Barack Obama loosened up the enforcement of that law, but it remained the law. They never repealed the embargo. Even when they made it a little easier to travel there, or a you still couldn't buy human goods in the United States, but even it was a little bit easier. All that was was Barack Obama flouting the rule of law. That's not as though they actually repealed the law. And then Donald Trump came in and enforced the law again, and now Joe Biden maybe is going to stop enforcing it quite as much. That's, that's the reason that Cuba is in economic turmoil. People in Cuba make about $25 a month. I think that's the average monthly income. $25 US per month. That's been true for a long time. It was true before Donald Trump, but they're going to blame Donald Trump for that. This, I, I only point this out not to show you that the media are liberal or something, but just to show you the huge disconnect between the ordinary people and the ruling elite. Not just in communist countries like Cuba. Obviously there there's a huge disconnect, but even in our own country. Now in Cuba, the dictator, uh, Miguel Diaz-Canel, who took over after Raul Castro stepped down after Fidel Castro died. Although I suppose Fidel Castro had actually given up power to Raul before he died. Miguel Diaz-Canel is calling on the communist regime supporters to, quote, defend the revolution against the pro-democracy protesters. He said the Cuban government is willing to do anything. There are reports coming out right now that the regime is really cracking down, is murdering protesters, is cutting off internet to the island. So it's getting, getting pretty bad down there. We're calling on all revolutionaries in the country, all the communists, to hit the streets wherever there is an effort to produce these provocations. We're not going to hand over the sovereignty or the independence of the people. There are so many revolutionaries in this country who are willing to give our lives, we're willing to do anything, and we will be in the streets fighting. The word revolutionary here is ironic because the, the people who are in the streets demanding an end to this 60-year tyranny, they are not the revolutionaries, according to the Cuban dictator. According to the dictator, it is the, the regime that is the revolutionaries. Well, how, how is that possible? When you go to Cuba, you'll see an expression written on the walls, written by the government on the walls, which is, Viva siempre la revolución. Live, always live, long live the revolution. The revolution is a perpetual process. There's no end to it. This is why Fidel Castro, after he had been ensconced in power as dictator for decades and decades and decades, would continue to wear his military fatigues because the revolution is never over because, it's, one, that's the only way that they can justify the squalor that everyone's living in and the repression of the rights, but, but two, because you can't reach a communist utopia on earth. It's, it's a utopia. It's no place. The Paul Kenger, the political scientist, once told me that the way to understand the difference between socialism and communism is that Christians go to heaven and socialists go to communism. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to get there on earth is the problem. And so the revolution always has to be ongoing. And we're seeing this kind of perpetual revolution here in the United States. I, I mentioned the story in part because I care about Cuba. I like the Cuban people. They're great. When they come to America, they have very good priorities, good family values, very conservative sorts of people. And also because I like the cigars and the coffee and I like the Cuban culture. But really the reason I mentioned Cuba is not because of Cuba. It's because of what this means in the United States. We've got a perpetual revolution going on here as well. You always, you always hear, oh, Michael, cut it out with the slippery slope arguments. All the left wants is free sex. 
All the left wants is a little liberation on the sexual front. Oh, okay. All the left wants is gay rights. Okay. All the left wants is to redefine marriage. Wait, what? All the left wants is for, to pretend that men can become women. Huh? All the left wants is to start transing the kids. Wait a second. Come on now. All the left wants is to teach radical transgenderism in schools. Wait, hold on. Wait, I thought we were just talking about women going to work in the 60s or whatever. I thought we were just talking. Hold on. How did we get all the way over here? Because there's no end to it. Because the slippery slope is not just some fear-mongering tactic on the right. It's the whole point. The whole point is there's no end. The arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends toward justice. We're on the right side of history. History with a capital H is always marching forward. We're progressing. There's no end. There's no end to it until you reach utopia, which you're never going to do because it's no place. So we're seeing this now on racial issues and especially on sexual issues here in the United States. Consider this. Consider this. Right now, there is a candidate running for governor of California as a Republican who is a man who pretends to be a woman who is contradicting not just political orders and standards or social mores, but nature itself. And there are many prominent Republicans who are defending this sort of thing at CPAC, at the Conservative Political Action Conference. Bruce Jenner showed up because he's running for, for governor of California and he was heckled, okay? And I, you know, I don't like this sort of thing. I think it's ugly to just go heckle public figures all the time. Uh, this is par for the course for anyone who's in political life. So it just comes with the territory and it's just the way it is. So it's not as though Bruce Jenner is special in this regard, but still it's always ugly when it happens. So he was heckled. He was referred to by his actual sex. He was called a man rather than, than his imagined sex. And he was asked a completely fair question, which is what he thought about transgenderism being taught in schools. This is a radical, false theory about human nature that your body has nothing to do with who you are. It is being taught in schools. The guy who's running for governor of California was asked about this. He obviously buys into the idea itself because he's living out that idea. And so I think it's a totally fair question. The heckler was rude, as happens to every politician, but, but the question was, was totally fair. Tommy Lauren, who is a conservative commentator, I think she's on Fox, Fox News and Fox Nation. Tommy objected to this. Tommy wrote on Twitter, quote, the attacks on Caitlyn Jenner are despicable. I'll go to bat for her every single time. And if you want to take my conservative card for it, take it and shove it. Your mob is no better than the left's. And in fact, it's uglier. Hold on a second. Now, look, Tommy Lauren is not particularly conservative. Tommy Lauren famously not only defended abortion, but accused conservatives, pro-life people who oppose abortion, of being hypocrites. Because conservatives, you see, support limited government. But they also don't think we should kill a million babies a year. So isn't that hypocrisy? It's obviously not hypocrisy. Preventing the murder of a million babies a year, I think, falls within the legitimate limits of government. <laughs> okay. No matter how limited you want your government to be, I, I think that's fair. I think that's within the bounds. As is, by the way, in this case, standing by the plain basic fact of reality that men and women are different. Now Tommy Lawrence seems to be saying that the observation that men and women are different is beyond the legitimate limits of government. So what are the, are you just an anarchist then? You just, you think the government has no, no legitimate use whatsoever? Tommy goes on. The conservatives, quote unquote, attacking Caitlyn for her personal choices, attacked Trump for his, and declared him to be adverse to Christian values. They were the bulk of the never Trump pearl clutching movement that suddenly became real quiet when his policies worked. Save your BS. 
what? This, that part just doesn't make any sense at all. The people that I, look, I know the plural of anecdote is not data. The people I know who oppose the Caitlyn Jenner candidacy on the grounds that men who are under the false impression that they're women definitely need to figure things out and probably are, should not be holding public office and probably are not the most conservative candidates to hold public office. The ones I know who hold that view tend to be Trump supporters. The ones that I know who are squishy on the issue of transgenderism, they tend to fall more in the, the never Trump camp. I'm just speaking anecdotally, but I, I th- it's simply a fact that men, men and women are different. And I don't, I don't think there's anything bigoted or hypocritical about pointing that out. Also, also, Caitlyn Jenner, Bruce Jenner, distanced himself from Trump. He backed away from, he sort of liked Trump initially, and then he stopped liking Trump. And famously, he said, he doesn't even care about the Republican Party. His loyalties do not lie with the Republican Party or with Donald Trump. His loyalty and his concern is for the LGBT movement. My loyalties do not lie with Donald Trump. My loyalties do not lie with the Republican Party. My loyalties and what I'm fighting for is my community, the LGBT community, and, and particularly the trans issues that are out there, because there are many of them. Um, and so that's where my fight is. And I thought Trump would be pretty good, but he's kind of disappointed me in the first hundred days. Okay. Well, when he says it, believe him. His, his issue is not conservatism. His issue is not the GOP. His issue is not make America great again. It's LGBT and specifically transgenderism, pushing transgenderism. Oh, okay. Not my candidate then. Should not be any of our candidates. And I mentioned this not to pick on Bruce Jenner and not to pick on Tommy Lauren even, but just to point out, you've got a very prominent conservative commentator on the prominent conservative cable network pushing this stuff that would have been considered as far left as it possibly gets even five years ago. Viva siempre la revolución, apparently. You've got a lot of crazy sexual issues going on. Why, why, do these political issues seem to revolve around sex so much? Is it just because people want to get titillated? Is it just because <laughs> because sex sells or something? Maybe, maybe. Also because sex is fundamental to our nature. I know a lot of people are talking about racial politics now. The left uses race also to divide people. Race is less fundamental to human identity than sex is. I mean, that that is the fundamental distinction. When you look at the origin stories of how humanity comes about, They usually don't revolve around the the racial differences. They usually revolve around sexual differences. Gilgamesh or Genesis, for instance. We'll get into all of that in a second. First, however, got to tell you about Candace. Candace's show coming up tonight, Tuesday, uh, the 13th, 9 p.m. Eastern. Go check it out. The MMA fighter, Benil Dariush, will be on the show. Uh, Candace will be talking about what's going on in Cuba, so go check that out. Also, Ben is going to be talking about, everyone's talking about Cuba these days. I'm only talking about Cuba to talk about America, but people are really focusing in on what is going on there. You could see another revolution going on in Cuba. Go check that out. We'll be right back with a lot more. Gilgamesh begins with sexual difference. Genesis begins with sexual difference. Sexual difference is the fundamental divide 
in nature. So if you can overcome that sort of thing, you can overcome just about anything in politics. And I think this is why the left has focused on it since the second wave feminists who denied sexual difference into the same-sex marriage debate, which denies sexual difference into the transgender debate, which denies sexual difference. And all of that is in effect an attack on the family because the opposite of communism is not individualism. Sometimes it's posited that way. That if we want to fight collectivism, we need to just support the radical autonomy of the individual. No, they're two sides of the same coin. Every revolution first divides people up as individuals and then bundles them all together. This is true of fascism. It's true of communism. It's true of socialism. It's true of the people today. The actual opposite of collectivism and radical individualism, which are two sides of the same coin, is the family, is community, is tradition. That's the opposite. You know, we call the left commies all the time, but they behave like radical individualists when it comes to sex, when it comes to their defense of privacy in certain, when it comes to abortion, when it comes to so many issues. The left behaves like individualists on the social front, and the right behaves like individualists on the economic front, and the country lurches ever further to the left. The country breaks everybody, the revolution breaks everybody down into individuals and bundles them back together. The opposite of that would be the family. And you're seeing a very explicit attack on the family right now. The rights of the family to educate their kids, the rights of the family to keep their boys little boys and not trans them. I mean, there are actually now forces at work in our politics that will try to take your children away from you if you refuse to pretend that your little boy is a little girl. If he says that he's a little girl, you'll get the schools involved, you'll get local authorities involved. This is happening to a greater extent outside of the United States, but you're seeing it begin to happen here as well. Harry and Meghan. Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, the voice of a generation, I'm sorry to say. They just won an award. They win lots of silly awards, but they just won an award from an environmental charity for making the, quote, enlightened decision to limit the number of kids they're having. So they, they've said they have two kids and that's it. They're not going to have any more kids. They're not going to be open to life. They're not going to be open to sharing their love with one another that creates a new person. Nope. They're limiting it. Okay. A group called Population Matters is very pleased with this decision. Quote, in choosing and publicly declaring their intention to limit their family to two, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex are helping to ensure a better future for their children and providing a role model for other families. Having smaller families reduces our impact on the earth, provides a better chance for all our children, their children, and future generations to flourish on a healthy planet. We commend the Duke and Duchess for taking this enlightened decision for affirming that smaller family is also a happy family. Wrong. (laughs) It's just wrong. So the This comes out of this fear of overpopulation, we were told by people like Paul Ehrlich, very prominent scientist, quote unquote, who remains at Stanford, who still gets lots of plaudits even today. He said in the 70s, overpopulation was going to cause mass famine, mass starvation. There was no way to avoid that. And we had to encourage contraception and abortion. And if people wouldn't comply with it, then we had to force it upon them. Seriously, this is the kind of crazy stuff he called for. These policies were picked up in India and China, led to hideous abuses of of people's rights, led to people being denied food or water or access to sanitation if they continued to have kids, if they wouldn't be sterilized, led to the one child policy, which led to a genocide in China. Hideous, hideous stuff. And it was just BS. Because you know what happened? Since the time that Paul Ehrlich said that overpopulation was inevitably going to cause mass starvation. Between that time and today, the world population has doubled. 
Malnutrition is at an all-time low. People are fatter than they ever have been in the history of the world. It's just not true. It is part of this creepy anti-family, anti-life movement that tells you not to have kids in the first place, that tells you to kill your kids when you have them through abortion, that tells you to sterilize your children through transgenderism, that it's just, it all seems to redound to the same point. Wherever you see this, this anti-life thing, recognize there is an economic aspect here that people just want to have more money and they don't want to spend it on their kids. There is a political aspect here. It's easier to control people if you break down the family. And there's a spiritual aspect too. There's just simply no denying it. There is, there, is, there is an element of the demonic in anything that tells you not to have kids, to kill your kids, to have a small family, to not raise your kids right, to sterilize your kids. There's something, it's not enough to just talk about the political and the economic. There's something spiritual there as well. Speaking of celebrity families, by the way, Hunter Biden is back in the news. Not for any of the drug stuff, not for any of the sex stuff, not for any of the corruption, not for any of the selling out the United States to China, not for any of the trading on his family's name, quite exactly. The reason that's not in the news is it's not allowed to be in the news. The minute you report on that, that'll be shut down by the ruling regime here in the United States. It's amazing. We talk about how Cuba shuts off the internet for the dissidents. They do it here in the United States. (laughs) They do it here. When the New York Post uncovers very serious evidence of corruption and crimes from the son of a major presidential candidate. What happened? The, the regime, the big tech, working on behalf of the ruling elite, shuts it down. So you can't even privately message it to people until after the election. Amazing the similarities of La Revolucion here, here and in Cuba. So Hunter Biden is now an artist. Now I, I say, as a low-skilled painter myself. I took up painting during COVID and I'm not, I'm not very good. I'm much better than Hunter Biden, but I'm not very good. I've never been offered half a million dollars for my artwork. Hunter Biden has for his little polka dots that he puts on, on canvas. Do you think he's being offered half a million dollars for his artwork because it's just so good? Because it's, wow, it's just so beautiful. Or do you think it might have something to do with Hunter Biden's entire career, which is selling his father's name to the highest bidder? Jen Psaki at the White House was asked about this. She insists, no big deal, no big deal, nothing to see here. I have a question Mm -hmm. on Hunter Biden's artwork. Mm -hmm. Did the White House play any role in crafting the sales agreement with the New York Gallery um, to protect the, uh, the purchasers or the ultimate purchaser's identity? Well, I can tell you that after careful consideration, a system has been established that allows for Hunter Biden to work in his profession within reasonable safeguards. Uh, Of course, he has the right to pursue an artistic career, just like any child of a president has the right to pursue a career. Uh, But all interactions regarding the selling of art and the setting of prices uh, will be handled by a professional gallerist adhering to the highest industry standards. And any offer out of the normal course would be rejected out of hand. And the gallerist will not share information about buyers or prospective buyers, including their identities with Hunter Biden or the administration, which provides quite a level of protection and transparency. Anything out of the ordinary, anything out of the ordinary would, would, be, would be rejected, of course. And so it's perfectly within ordinary bounds for Hunter Biden, for, for a dilettante crackhead sex criminal influence peddler who took up painting five minutes ago to be offered half a million dollars for his scribbles. That is totally ordinary and normal, and there's nothing to see here. Don't worry, it's being handled by the professionals, right? <laughs> right? How, 
How do they say this with a straight face? How, because they don't respect us. <laughs> they don't respect you. They don't respect me. They are going to relieve themselves on our legs and tell us that it is raining. Nothing to see here. Well, it's the same answer they gave when Hunter Biden was peddling his father's influence to Ukraine. Hunter Biden was being paid, we don't know the exact number, something like $50,000 a month, maybe more, by a Ukrainian energy company. Hunter Biden doesn't know anything about Ukraine, he doesn't know anything about energy, but his father was the point man on Ukraine, and his father managed to pull some favors, it would seem, uh, while Hunter Biden was doing that. So Hunter Biden sells his influence to China, tries to put a big deal together from China to get some Chinese financing, while Joe Biden is vice president of the United States. And now Hunter Biden is a professional artist, adhering to the highest professional standards and making half a million bucks. And you know what? There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about that because you can take to the streets, you can demand libertad, libertad against the corruption. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the ruling elite will do whatever they need to do to stay in power, including making your life very, very difficult. The former president of Planned Parenthood, so a, a former top abortionist in the country, her job, her career was spent literally killing babies to the tune of hundreds of thousands a year just by Planned Parenthood alone. She is now on CNN and she is describing how they are going to get, how the ruling elite is going to get all you deplorable, irredeemable, bitter, clinging, Bible-thumping Americans to take the experimental drug for the virus that is so dangerous, so terrible, that it's got actually a very, very low death rate. And it's so awful and terrible that no one wants to get the vaccine, which is so wonderful and great, uh, that they're going to make life very, very hard for you. Now we have this Delta variant that is much more contagious. Because it's more contagious, it's going to be even harder for us to reach herd immunity. We're going to have to vaccinate an even higher proportion of people to get there. What happens then if we end up having another variant developing that's even more contagious, that could cause more disease, that could evade the protection of our immune system? And so how quickly we get this under control and which way we go depends on what we do now when it comes to vaccination, to overcoming disinformation, and what we really need to do at this point is to make vaccination the easy choice. It needs to be hard for people to remain unvaccinated. Right now, it's kind of the opposite. It's fine. I mean, it's easy if you're unvaccinated. You can do everything you want to do anyway. But at some point, these mandates by workplaces, by schools, I think it will be important to say, hey, you can opt out. But if you want to opt out, you have to sign these forms. You have to get twice weekly testing. Basically, we need to make getting vaccinated the easy choice. That is what it's going to take for us to actually end the pandemic. Do you see how she gives away the game here? If the vaccine were so great, well, uh, let's back up. If the virus were really so bad, if it were really so dangerous to so many people, it wouldn't matter how experimental or untested the vaccine were, people would be clamoring to get it. If this were the bubonic plague in medieval Europe, people would be clamoring to get any kind of vaccine they could get. But they're not doing that because they're not at great risk. Then you have to take the question of the va- if the vaccine were so great, if it were so totally 100% safe, one, you wouldn't be hearing reports from the CDC, by the way. I'm not, this is not like from some far off corner of the internet. This is the CDC and the FDA acknowledging that there are reports of myocarditis in young, young people who are not at 
particularly high statistical risk from COVID. They're having issues of heart inflammation, heart hospitalization, in some cases, death. You wouldn't be hearing reports of the COVID vaccine, that, or the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which actually had to be paused because women were getting blood clots and in some cases dying from the vaccine. You wouldn't be hearing reports that just came out yesterday, reported in even the New York Times, for goodness sakes, of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine causing a, a, a nervous system, a nerve issue. You wouldn't be hearing any of those things, which has actually presented itself in other vaccines, even though no one's allowed to talk about that. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be hearing about that sort of thing. And if the vaccine were really so great for the virus that's really so terrible and deadly and scary, you wouldn't need to make life hard for everybody because life would already be hard for people because the vaccine would already be the easy choice. But because none of that is true, they have to contrive it. They have to make pretend. This is something you see in, you, you see greater authoritarianism, you see greater repression in regimes that are really unstable. And there is no way, I think, right now to look at the nature of our politics and say that things are stable. Nothing is stable. Nothing is settled. The, the radicals, the revolutionaries in the, in the middle of the 20th century unsettled everything. We can't even say what the difference is between men and women anymore. Not even the conservatives can say what the difference between men and women is anymore. Forget about the radical left. Even people who are the right-wing people on the right-wing networks, even they are defending this sort of thing. So of course, as things are going to be unsettled, you're going to see greater oppression, greater repression. Our ruling elites intentionally making life hard for people to get them to succumb to their will. That sort of thing is not happening just 90 miles off the coast of Florida. That sort of thing is happening right in our own backyard. The liberal ruling elite is coming out and, and saying they're going to go door to door to try to get you to take the experimental drug for the virus that you're not particularly worried about. Obviously, this is a very strong play by the left. The right is resisting it, except God, even some people on the right or nominally on the right are resisting it. So Asa Hutchinson, who is not, not the most conservative governor out there, he's a Republican, Republican governor of Arkansas. He, he made a name for himself because he supports uh, castrating little children if their abusive parents be believe that the little boys are little girls. He supports that. He thinks that that should be able to go through. He opposed a bill that would ban that sort of thing. So already we don't have very high expectations for Asa Hutchinson. Well, he goes on ABC News, he goes on one of these left-wing news sites, and he, he says that Biden going door-to-door -door with the vaccine, that big threat he's making, oh, it's not a big deal, don't worry about it. Whenever uh, we have a low vaccination rate, we want all the help we can in order to uh, accomplish a mutual goal in increasing vaccinations. Long before President Biden said that, uh, we have uh, community organizations that's helping us. We have churches that are going uh, into homes. We have people that go into those that are bedridden so that they can have access to the vaccine. So there's nothing dramatic about what the president said in itself. No one wants uh, an agent knocking on a door, but we do want those that uh, do not have access otherwise to make sure they know about and have the information. Not everybody goes on the internet and not everybody has that access. And so how do you get information to them? We want to have our churches involved. We want to have our communities, organizations. And if it means uh, 
uh, going uh, into a community door by door and letting them know of this, then that's okay. Not everybody has access. Not everybody's heard of coronavirus. Is, is that so, Governor? Not every, the thing that locked down the entire world for the last 18 months, that has been blasted on every single news channel everywhere, that if you even question the official narrative, you will be deplatformed, kick off of social media, ostracized from your community, vaccination centers in every grocery store, every pharmacy, every policy. You're telling me that some people, they just don't know. They just haven't heard about it. And that's why, look, we don't, we don't want federal agents going door to door, so, but we're, we're going to send some federal agents door to door to get you to take, uh, or to, to impel you to take an experimental drug. And there's no, it's no big deal. I mention this not because of how terrible the policy, obviously we all know the policy is terrible. I mention this not even because Joe Biden's so terrible. We all, we all know that. This is the problem. Asa Hutchinson is the problem. There is no opposition. What's the opposition party? Is the GOP the opposition party? Because last I checked, I'm just looking at the, the headlines today. The alleged opposition party is defending federal thugs going door to door to jab you with an experimental drug. The opposition party is defending the redefinition, not even of marriage. They're already defending the redefinition of marriage. They're defending the redefinition of sex itself. They're defending transing the kids. In some cases, they're even defending critical race theory. And, and other kooky theories in schools. Where, where's the opposition? They're not. These are the court jester conservatives. These are the people whose job it is to play the court jester in the kingdom of liberalism, to do a little dance, to give the, the illusion that there is opposition in this country, but there isn't really. They exist merely to legitimize the dominant liberal ruling regime, which is constantly downplaying how bad things really are. There was a poll just came out. Poll came out, Harvard Harris poll came out, found out that four out of five Americans underestimate how bad our illegal immigration problem is. So it's a very simple question. How many people do you think, how many foreign nationals do you think are pouring across our southern border every day? Harvard Harris, which is, this is not a right-wing organization. Harvard University is not known for its right-wing politics. Harris poll, neither. Four out of five Americans think that the problem is not nearly as bad as it is. Uh, uh, 21% Americans believe that less than 10,000 illegal immigrants cross into the United States each month. More than half of all Americans believe that the number is lower than 50,000 illegal aliens per month. In reality, even that 50,000 number is less than a third of what's really going on. In reality, nearly 1 million illegal aliens crossed the U.S. border with Mexico in just the first half of this year. Forget the legal immigrants who come into this country. Our legal immigration system is already the broadest, most open in the world. And the majority of Americans, also according to a Harvard-Harris survey from some years ago, want to drastically reduce that, including the legal immigrants. But then you've got a million illegal aliens coming in just in the first half of this year. So you're looking at two million illegals per year. This is a 20-year high. In May alone, 180,000 foreign nationals poured into this country. That is almost as many in the first half of this year as came in during all of 2019. No big deal. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. You're not even hearing those numbers on 
most allegedly conservative outlets. Why? Because that's not, that's, that's, that's not going to help the, the ruling elite, which on the left and nominally on the right want illegal immigration to continue. 70% of black voters, according to a poll come out right now, 70% of black voters say that violent crime is a major crisis, but we're told by the ruling elite that, no, no, that's a white supremacist dog whistle. How dare you? If you ever talk about crime, you're just, you're an evil racist bigot. Can't talk about it. We'll get into that a little bit more tomorrow. We don't have time right now. The, the ruling elite in this country, coming from the White House, does not even want to talk about election integrity. When some Republicans in some states are trying to put in election integrity laws that we've had on the books, actually in most cases for a very long time, we're being told that's white supremacy, racism, terrible, even though black people support it. We're talking about what's going on in Cuba, not only because we care about the Cubans, but we care, we care about ourselves and we see what perpetual revolutions look like and we see how bad they can get and we see how bad they can get pretty close to our own borders and we see how bad they're getting even here in the United States. And maybe it's time to push back and fight for that libertad and look to, look to the, the real roots here, not just even the economic issues, the, the religious ones, people holding up religious icons. Look, what is it that we really believe in? Where can we find our strength? Where can we find our courage? Because there's a lot of corruption and it's not just on that slave island down south. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Bory. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. And production coordinator, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on The Ben Shapiro Show, the Biden administration downplays the evil of the communist Cuban regime while simultaneously labeling American conservatives authoritarian racists. That's today on The Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Hey, everybody. 